So one of my favorite movies of all times is the first Shrek, okay? Shrek, the story of the ogre who meets the princess, who actually is an ogre herself. But one of my uh, favorite scenes in this, it, I've seen this probably the most of any movies that I've, because I'm not a movie, I don't like to watch them over and over, and I've seen this one over and over. So I love the characters. And there's a scene in this movie, in this first one, where Shrek and Donkey are traveling to free the princess from the tower. And they're getting to know each other. And, Sh and so Shrek says something like this. Ogres are like onions. To which Donkey says, oh, you mean they stink. Oh, yeah, no, no. Oh, they make you cry? No, no. Oh, when you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown and start spotting all over and they get these little white hairs on them. No, Shrek says. Donkey. Donkey, it's a metaphor. It's like layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers. You get it? We both have layers. Donkey says, oh. You both have layers. Well, you know, Shrek, not everybody likes onions. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Today's scripture lends itself to metaphor and layers and peeling back those layers. Will you pray with me today? Gracious and holy God, we enter into your presence with great expectations. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So we're in this season of Eastertide, a, a season in which the lectionary reviews uh, some of the resurrection stories, and then the lectionary takes a look at what Jesus taught about resurrection long before resurrection was experienced by his followers. And, and so we take these, these other teachings of Jesus in with new light, new perspective, a fresh perspective. Now we have the resurrection in front of us. Now when we look back at what Jesus has always been saying, we see something new. Like layers of an onion, we begin to peel back these layers to discover new meaning truer meaning, and have a greater impact on our lives. The more we peel, the more we get into the interworkings of the, of the onion. And the more we peel, the more we realize that it takes on a very palpable kind of experience to us. It gets in our hands. It gets in our nose and our eyes. And it becomes something that we can not only feel and smell and see, but it has a whole new meaning to us. So part of what Jesus teaches in the book of John is in these long kind of sermon-like, uh, what we call discourses in the book of John. And he uses a lot of metaphor. John loves Jesus's metaphor. And in these metaphors, we see these beautiful I am statements. Last week we talked about I am the shepherd and you are the sheep. And, the, and there's I am the resurrection and the lie. 
And then this week, I am the true vine. I'm going to be reading from John 15, verses 1 through 8. Listen to what Jesus says about the true vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So metaphors about a vine use this word, not only the branches in the vine, but you saw in that passage, Jesus used this word abide, abide. Abide in me and abide and I'll abide in you and I abide in my father and my father abides in me. And so we have to, in order to peel back these layers, we need to understand what it means to abide, to be connected to Jesus. It's easy to get lost in all this abiding, but if you recognize what Jesus is saying here, Jesus is using it in the present tense, not you should have abided in me and now I'm about to be gone and you won't have your chance anymore, not someday you should take up residence in me. Jesus is saying right now, right now, abide in me as I abide in you. Jesus is already recognizing that he is connected to us. He uses this imagery of a vine and a, a grapevine and the branches because it's a common image in the first century. These men and women who are listening to Jesus have leaned into this imagery through their Hebrew scriptures for as long as they have practiced their faith. Always in the Old Testament, Israel is the vine. The vine that gets plucked up out of Egypt and is, then God plants them new in the promised land. And when they, when they turn away and they don't stay connected to God, they find themselves withering and dying, and God plucks them up and plants them again in a new place where they can thrive and grow and prosper again. But let's look at what Jesus does in this passage. Because what the, the first century hearers are hearing is that they'll be plucked up and replanted. Jesus changes it. Jesus differentiates between the vine and the branches. He says, no, no, not Israel. I, I am the vine. 
and you are the branches. He is simply bringing the source closer to us right here in our midst. Instead of the people being uprooted and replanted by God because they have forgotten their ways or gone astray, instead he says, I am with you. I'm going to be in you, and you are going to be in me wherever you are. Today, tomorrow, here or there, I've come to abide in you so that you can abide in me. The very source, the very source of goodness and energy and love. The people of God will still bear fruit. He talks about that. He talks about how God will prune back our branches so that we can bear more and more fruit. It's just that now God has moved closer in to being a part of us, to being a part of our very being. It's the source of our strength. And apart from that, Jesus says, apart from that, the branch can bear no fruit. Okay, so here's a branch. Okay, I brought this branch from our backyard. We actually have some grapevine and branches. Now this is the season in which the branches are beginning to grow, right? And so if this, this branch is no longer connected to the vine, okay? I pruned it away today. Now I'm not the vine keeper, God is. But try as we will, if this is us apart from the vine, can we grow fruit? We know that, right? We know when we pluck up that flower too soon, when we pr pluck out that, that branch too soon, it will not grow fruit, no matter how hard we try. So that fruit of, of the spirit that we love to lean into, love and patience and kindness, is not ours to bear apart from the vine. We can't. We can try. Bear fruit. No, it's just not going to do it, right? And so Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And apart from me, you can't bear fruit. But there's something else this particular passage doesn't really talk about. It talks about it in another passage about vines and, and uh, branches, and that is grafting. For us to really peel back that layer of those onions to understand what Jesus is telling us, we have to understand a little bit about grafting. It's an interesting story. Whenever I went to, uh, down to the vineyards in the hill country and began to listen to how they grew their, their vineyards, and I learned a lot about the history of vine and, and uh, grape making in the United States, when our four uh, mothers and fathers came from their countries of origin, they often brought a vine with them because they loved the grapes that it produced. And when they planted it in our soil, it didn't make. It didn't, it didn't become strong and healthy. It died out. It died out because every soil has its own natural microbes. and, and and disease and virus, and it attacked the vine. So what they learned was that they had to use a vine that was native to the soil. 
And then they could take their precious vine from their home country and they could graft it, graft it in. And then it would be protected from the disease and the microbes that were in the native soil. Grafting is a process whereby you take one plant, this, is, this plant is called a scion, or its offspring, and it becomes a part of another, this rootstock, okay? The process allows for the plant to become one, the one that is native and the one that is grafted in. But the only way that the scion can be grafted into that root is for the root to be cut and to be pierced. To be cut and to be pierced so that we could be grafted in. Does that sound familiar to you? I'm listening and leaning into the words of the psalmist that says, by his wounds we are healed. Jesus knows in this farewell address that that is what is about to happen. And unless his disciples graft themselves deep into him, unless he bears those wounds on our behalf, we cannot survive. You see, the root vine is, is the one who conquers death, conquers sin for our sake. And so Jesus says, attach yourself. Attach yourself to the living, resurrected Christ so that you might live to love and to experience joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and self-control, these fruits of the Spirit that, that Paul talks about. We get those when we are grafted into the Christ. When we're connected, we abide in the Christ. And so I ask myself, how is it? How is it that we get grafted or connected to this Christ? John Wesley established a disciplined way of life, and part of that was to understand what, what we now call three simple rules about the way we live. And we call do no harm, do all the good you can, and stay connected to God by falling in love with God and doing the following things. These, these ordinances of God is to come to worship. Whether you worship privately or you worship corporately, whether you're in the beautiful sanctuary with stained glass windows around you, or you're in a storefront with folding chairs and overhead projections, whether you're out in the field or up on the mountaintop or down in the valley. Worship has components. Components of thanks, components of praise and confession and sending forth. Another one of these ordinances that keeps us connected with God is to read and to study our scripture. Whether you sit down at night with your Bible and just let the scriptures flow over you and listen to those words or whether you take up study with a, with a group of people and lean into peeling back the layers of that, what that scripture has to say. God allows us to graft ourselves into the body of Christ by reading and studying the scriptures. 
And then there's practice of prayer. This prayer sometimes is private. We go into our own place where we love to spend time in prayer with God and are alone. And sometimes, sometimes this prayer is corporate like we spend on Sunday mornings where we lift our prayers together as one people, one body, one branch grafted into the vine. And then John Wesley explains that we participate in God's wonderful means of grace. These holy sacraments in which God makes God's self known to us through the breaking of bread and the drinking of juice. It is in this place that we are invited, where we confess, where God forgives, where God sanctifies us, where God empowers us, where God fills us with God's Holy Spirit and then sends us out again. Today, we participate in holy communion. So I'm going to make my way to the table this morning. Make sure I have everything I need. 